Hi, welcome to this Property Live podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor, coach, and mentor. Each week, my friends and I talk to some amazing people about their adventures in property. I'm really keen for the content in this podcast to be useful to investors as well as interesting and inspirational. And in that spirit this week, I'm talking to the fabulous Claire Saunders from Cashflow Leasing. Claire has built an amazing business that helps landlords and investors by providing them with the option to lease the furniture for their properties. In this episode, Claire tells us all about asset leasing, how it works and how we can benefit as investors. She also talks about her own involvement in the property world, the importance of surrounding yourself with good people and how she's been able to help investors navigate the challenges of the COVID pandemic. We've got lots to get into in this episode, so let's hear now from Claire Saunders. Morning, Claire. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Morning. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. I've been uh, I've been looking forward to having this this chat, and um, you know we know know each other through your through your your property business, cash flow leasing, um, and. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into that and you're going to tell us all a little bit about how that works and the fantastic stuff you're doing for landlords and um, I can certainly vouch for that, how you've made my life easier on a, on a recent project that, um, that that we've just got through. So um, we'll get on to that side, but um, before we do, it would be great to know a little bit about your background really and sort of how you got into the property world. Okay, so... Um... It, was, it feels like ages ago now, but 2016, um, me and my my husband now, but then partner, um, like everyone else, was watching Homes Under the Hammer. Um, and we're thinking, oh, we've always wanted to, to do that, always wanted to, to get into property, didn't know how to do it. And then good old Facebook must have been listening to us because it popped up, you know, uh, an advertisement for uh, a property event. Yeah. So we went along to that um and as you do signed up to the next one signed up to the next one so um yeah we've done quite a lot of courses um with quite a few um providers some big names some small names so we've done you know every every course you can think of from your buy to let creative finance to uh, the only one i haven't done is service accommodation but it doesn't mean i don't understand it yeah. um hmos all that sort of thing so yeah i've done a lot of a lot of courses as such um, we did start to invest in um, Swansea. So we we used to live in Wiltshire. So Swansea was just an hour or so down the road or two hours down the road. Um, so it was quite easy to do. So we started off doing, I wanted to be a sourcer and find properties for everyone else to get the cash yeah. in to then buy property as everyone thinks it is. But sourcing isn't as easy as everybody thinks it is. Um, there's a lot of compliance involved and a lot of... Um, you know, you've got to make sure you're, you're doing a right deal for the investor. And for me, I really struggled with that because I was like, what is a right deal? Um, yeah. So I had a mentor at the time and he turned around and said to me, do what you know. And I was like, OK. So prior to cash flow leasing, I um, used to work for somebody else doing lease finance. But I left that to do the property sourcing. I never in, envisioned or intended to, to start my own business. Um but that's how it worked out, really. Um, so, so yeah, and that's how cash flow leasing start. That was in uh, 2019. So yeah. I've been going for two years, um, all through lockdown. Um, it was a bit touch and go at some points. I mean, it's quite lucky that it was just myself, so I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, staff and things yeah. like that. So I was quite yeah. lucky, really. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, made it out the other end and uh, yeah, come back stronger. And luckily I've got lots of um, good, you know, loyal customers that keep coming back. And that, you know, the best thing is the word of mouth. You know, people are constantly tagging me and things on Facebook, um, get invited to things like this, talk about my business and things. So, so yeah, we've now moved up to um, Carlisle. Okay. So big move, big move up near Scotland. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we are going to start looking to do um, buy to lets around here. So okay. yeah, things are progressing pro with um, property as well. Brilliant. So tell us a bit about cash flow leasing then. So what is it and, and how does it work? So cash flow leasing is an asset leasing company. So what is asset leasing? So asset leasing is a way to acquire equipment or items needed for a business in order for you to operate. So um, I work predominantly with property people like yourself, and it's a way for them to purchase or acquire the furniture, um, soft furnishings, that sort of thing needed for whether it's a HMO, um, service accommodation, hotels, uh, bars, restaurants, anything that needs equipment, office furniture, that sort of thing, um, then we can um, arrange the lease finance for that um, so I don't actually arrange the furniture a lot of people get confused with that they come to me and ask quotes and I'm like I don't actually do the furniture I yeah. just do the finance so um, but I do work with a number of very very good um, suppliers um, that again are very reputable and um, my customers love them and they're all over you know you've got the likes of Fusion, Landlord Furniture Co and then we also work with interior designers as well um, which I think is a, is a good thing to do because a lot of people doing hotels or service accommodation, even HMOs, want something that looks a little bit bespoke. It's not samey-samey. So that's why um, I reach out to a lot of interior designers as well. As long as they're VAT registered, then we can yeah. work with them. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I do. Um, benefits to you guys as property investors. Um, one, it means you don't have to use your own cash. That's a, that's a big bonus. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you need your cash to go on and either purchase something else or if you're on um, doing rent to rent, you can use that for another deposit. Or it could be that you don't have the cash to start with. You know, you're just starting out and you want to be able to furnish this apartment or HMO in order to get it tenanted to get money in. Um, so that's, you know, that's the big benefit of it. Um, also, the, the other one is 100 percent tax efficient. Um, so you can claim because it's it. I'll get my words out in a minute. Because you're converting your purchase into a business expense, you can claim it back under your capital allowance. Yeah. Um, and also um, you can claim corporation tax relief back as well, which is a massive bonus. So any profit yeah. that you make in your in your business, you can keep some of that back or claim it against the um the monthly premiums that you're paying. So it's yeah, yeah it's a good um it's a good vehicle if you yeah. ask me to, to you know a good tool in the toolbox in order for you to be able to build quickly and also be tax efficient yeah so well it's a no-brainer in a lot of ways isn't it because the, the barrier to entry for a lot of people getting into property is upfront capital you know and and trying to make what capital they do have go as far as possible so it's quite an innovative idea that we can effectively create a cash flowing asset from day one that effectively pays for itself you know that's kind of the way i know we worked together recently on one of our rent to service accommodation deals and 
you know we we essentially got into that deal by working with yourselves on the on the leasing of the furniture front for pretty much no money down as it were so we didn't really have to put any any money into the deal to get it started we had it up and running within a couple of weeks because you know working with you guys was very efficient the the furniture packs all i mean it's it was music to my ears you know they they arrive they unpack everything they they set everything up they install everything and obviously we're not paying anything up front necessarily it's then all paid through the cash flow that you generate so it allows you it allows investors to get up and running very quickly and very cost effectively doesn't it yeah 100% and that's why a lot of people work with myself is because it's that ease of entry into yeah. the property world um it can be difficult for some people um a lot of um lenders prefer you to be homeowners um so that is one barrier to entry so if you're doing rent to rent and you're not and you're a non homeowner yeah. then that can be difficult we do have a lender that will allow you to have um a guarantor so a third party guarantor. Um, but then there is an additional cost because um, it used to be you'd be able to sign a waiver. So if it was like your mum or your dad or something doing it for you, they could sign a waiver to say that they're happy to be a guarantor. Um, yeah. But now they have to seek legal advice. So there, that is a that is one point that is a little bit more tricky is the yeah. um, non-homeowner. If your yeah. business has been going quite a while, then obviously that's not such an issue because they take it on the, you know, the, yeah. the value of the business and that sort of thing rather than being a homeowner. Um, yeah. But that's sort of one sort of barrier to entry um, for, for, you know, I'll be honest, for, yeah. for you guys. Um, but everybody else, you know, as long as you've got a property, whether that's residential or a buy-to-let, anything like that, then there is, you know, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. You must have a limited company um right. with a limited company bank account because i only work with limited companies that's just how i work yeah. um and majority of you know, all the tax changes and stuff the majority of people that are doing property now do have limited companies anyway yeah um the properties don't have to be owned in the limited company but they have to be run through it so for instance yeah. if you purchase the your hmo in your own name as long as the managing company is a limited company that you're running it through where the rent goes then that's fine that's the sort of um yeah. what we want it to be and again rent to rent as long as you've got the right management contracts in place yeah um then that's fine um so the actual term of of it is um three years so standard okay. is three years yeah yeah so uh, if the term is three years what so let's say someone is working on a sort of rent service combination or rent to hmo kind of model what advice would you have them around the contract that they have in place with the landlord because obviously you know three years is, is a commitment in terms of um in terms of that finance and that furniture so do you advise landlords on the the kind of agreement they should have in place with the landlord no the contract is between them and the landlord don't really get involved yeah. as long as it's for 36 months or more that's okay. fine Oops, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 36 months or more that's fine yeah. it's like part yawning then do apologize um then that's fine um there are, people do write break clauses in um yeah. because they want to get out or the landlord has a way to get out and yeah. that's absolutely fine so what we what the lenders like is they prefer it to be 36 months um yeah. however if for any reason you do decide to come out of that property early yeah. um you have got the option to move the furniture to another location so you can carry on paying exactly the yeah. same um, you just move it somewhere yeah. Um, or you would have to just pay it up early. Yeah. Okay. So it is quite flexible. And what happens at the end of that 
that three-year agreement then? So what are your options at the end of that process? Mm -hmm. um, so because of the tax advantages that you've had during those three years, um, you technically can't own the furniture at the end of it. So a lot of people get the misconception is you pay for the, the three years and then it's yours. Yeah. Um, technically it is, but you have to jump through a few hoops before you can do that. Okay. Um, some lenders will allow you to nominate a third party. So as long as it's not a director of the company, you can nominate somebody who's a family member, um, friend, that sort of thing to take ownership. And then you just pay um, a minimal amount. It's normally about 1% of the lease value or 60, 80 pound, something like that, depending on which is more. Yeah. Um, the other option is that you can do what's called continued use. So you pay an additional two months premium and that extends use of those items for another two years. So you've got use yeah. for five years. Yeah. At the end of the five years, there's no value left in the furniture. So if you were doing it through a purchase, you would have written it off at that point. So the, the lenders just, just write it off and you are to dispose of it. So do what you want yeah. with it at that point. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So what type of landlords are you working with? So we've mentioned sort of service, rent service accommodation, that side of things. What, what other types of landlords are you working with? So quite excitingly at the moment, I've got quite a few big projects going on. So these are okay. people that are doing, um, so like yourself, hotels that are yeah. big multi-units. Um, and also I've got a couple at the moment that are actually um, like developers. So um, I've got one guy who's building a block of serviced accommodation and yeah. then he need me to help to furnish it. And then I work with another company who do rent to rent. And again, yeah. they do it on big blocks of apartments. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite exciting because, you know, nice, big, juicy deals. Um, yeah. But I also do work with the, with the you know. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. Everybody else who were doing the their first little rent to rent one bed apartments you know that sort yeah. of thing so i do i work with everyone and i treat everybody the same yeah um and it is about getting to know my customer so i make sure that i know who they are what their goals are what that project is and yeah. you know how quick a turnaround they need that sort of thing um just so that we you know we're all on the same page and also yeah. if there are any issues with regards to the application then we can hit them head on to try and see if we can um you know fix them yeah. it could be that um there's credit issues i need to know that up front um or you know cash flow because that can sometimes cause an issue with regards to a limited company if it's not you know just starting 
um, then we may need personal bank statements to support it or if they've got other businesses to say you know okay. this can support it if and also like projected cash flow as well so some some um, applications are simple you know like yeah. like yourself it was literally application form ID bank statements net worth that yeah. was it but others can yeah. be a little bit more complicated where you need copies of credit reports and things like that and a little yeah. bit more information so it does depend on the individual and that's why it's important that I know yeah. my customer yeah no that makes sense so what's so at what stage in the process would you recommend that landlords reach out to you then? So I know, and I know from experience, you, you turn things around pretty quickly. And I think we got up and running and had the furniture on site within, I think it was 10 days, I think, um, from memory. Um, but mm -hmm. particularly if maybe it's a, a slightly more complex project or a bigger project, at what stage should they start having that conversation with you? Presumably you'd rather they didn't leave it until literally they need the furniture next week. Um, yeah. and it becomes a bit of a mad panic. So when should they reach out to you? Um, it depends on the individual. So some of my um, developers I've been talking to for the last few months, and they're not even ready for the furniture yet, but then they know, you know, it's just keeping in contact and knowing where you're at sort of thing. Um, yeah. The application process itself can take a couple of weeks. And if there are yeah. issues, then it's better to start that earlier so yeah. that we know that there are any barriers that we can get over those so that there's nothing yeah. stopping that furniture being delivered yeah um so it just it just depends on on the person really uh, also yeah. uh delivery lead times anything between two two weeks to a month depending on what sort of service you use mm. um and then there are different um types as well so we can do pre-delivery which is what you did um mm. yourself where we did it um application everything went through and money got paid out to the supplier before delivery yeah that is the ideal situation which means you don't have to put any money up front you just yeah. have your first month's premium taken out a couple of days later yeah um some of my customers can do it um retrospectively so they can get the project up and running pay for it themselves and then come to me to get the money back out so what happens in that situation is um same process the money gets paid to the supplier and then the supplier will refund them um a lot of my customers do that if they do a lot of um units or mm. a lot of properties um and what i say is you know every time you do an application you are getting a a credit check you know on your yeah. on your credit report so if you are doing a lot of properties, sometimes it is worth putting them all on one application um, okay. and therefore you're stopping having so many credit stamps yeah. on your on your credit report. Yeah. Um, and we can backdate up to three months. So okay. again, that's why it's good to know your customer, to know what their goals are, know what they're going to be doing, because the last yeah. thing I want is them to come to me and keep doing applications and it's going to affect their credit, which we don't want. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. So yeah. With regards to that question, as soon as possible, just talk to me. If we don't need to do the application there and then, that's fine. We just stay in contact. Ideally, application within uh, three, I'll say about a month. Um, so two weeks before you actually place yeah. your order so we yeah. can get everything up and running. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. So when you're talking about it being the opportunity for it to be retrospective presumably that's a bit like refinancing a property isn't it so you've got this asset in the furniture and you're effectively then taking out a finance product based on the value of that that asset mm -hmm. but i would imagine am i right in thinking that still has to go through your registered list of suppliers it's not like someone can say hey i bought a load of furniture from ikea you know can you uh, can i take out finance against it 
Yeah. So ideally, it has to be through somebody that I've, I work with or somebody I can work with. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you have done it and, and you want to look at doing it, then give us a call and we can have a chat and see if we can do it. Yeah. Um, there is something called um, sale and leaseback, which used to be quite popular and it used mm. to be quite easy to do. But the lenders are a little bit more strict on it now. Right. So that's where if you have your own VAT registered company, um, you can just give proof of purchase so invoices yeah. um, and proof of payment so bank statements highlighting those purchases um, and then we can look to get the money back out and pay direct to yourself yeah but they've sort of limited the amount of suppliers that you can use uh, type of suppliers um, so for instance if you went to B&M and you spent 200 quid on loads of little things they're not likely to do it but yeah. if you went to Ikea and you spent thousands on furniture then they will yeah. do it and they have like a minimum amount of like 250 pounds per invoice as well. So it's not that it can't be done. We just yeah. have to have a conversation. It's all about what business you have. Is it VAT registered and who yeah. you used? Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. But the real value is in being able to do it in advance, isn't it? And, and not have that barrier to entry of suddenly thinking, oh, I've got to spend X thousands of pounds just in order to get this property up and running. And that your, your business, your approach completely removes that that barrier what happens yeah. just to, it's actually a question that's literally just popped into my head what happens if furniture gets damaged during the course of that that's that, a very that good question yeah. yeah everyone asked me that question <laughs> so you must have contents insurance in place yeah. on those on your furniture um whether you own the property or not um yeah. so if you're doing rent to rent you've yeah. still got to have contents insurance okay. and the reason for that is if it gets damaged you could claim on it yeah. Um, you don't have to, but it's just peace of mind for the lender that you've got that in place. Yeah. Um, it all depends on your business. So, for instance, if you've got ASTs in place and the tenant breaks it, it is you could take it out of their deposit. Again, service accommodation, you could take it out of deposits on that. If it's just um, general wear and tear, then it would be up to yourself to, to replace it. Yeah. Um, but again, you can claim that back on your replacement yeah uh, rules so you don't actually lose po out of pocket yeah. um but yeah it's your responsibility same with electrical items warranties that sort of thing having your name not in the lender's name yeah you don't want to get involved in all of that even though technically yeah. they are the owner um it's easier if it if it's yourself if you need to get it replaced and that's a good point actually you mentioned electrical items because it's not just furniture is it so a lot of these um we call them furniture companies, but they, they effectively can provide full packs. So I know the unit that we set up, you know, they provide full kitchen packs, electrical items, bathroom. So it was literally it was a it was a it was a property in a box, as it were. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So we didn't have to do any of the shopping for those items. So people can can do that as well, can't they? Yeah. So the suppliers I work with, they can supply everything from the beds to the teaspoons that you've got yeah. you know they will do everything yeah. um if it's not on their website ask them so yeah. like white goods electrical items they can do all of that some of them will even do artwork rugs lamps you name it yeah they can actually do it a lot of them are turning more into interior designers than they yeah. used to be a lot yeah. of them have actually branched out into having an element of that as well because yeah. they have to meet the market you know meet the demand of what people want so yeah. a lot of them have branched out to be a lot more than just i we supply furniture yeah it's and staging they isn't it they'll, they'll stage the property effectively we, we had exactly that so they supplied the artwork they supplied the soft furnishings you know which obviously comes 
um, you know, with the color match with the furniture and, and that side of it. So, you know, I, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a satisfying feeling, you know, sort of get, get, getting that all up and running. And then you turn up to the property, you know, having it been essentially an empty shell and there's a fully stocked, fully staged property and, it's very systemizable, isn't it? So for anyone, we talk about barrier to entry, that's one thing, but also anyone who wants to grow and scale, you know, it's really difficult to do. And I know from experience, you know, that if you're going to effectively purchase the furniture off your own steam, as it were, with your own money and off your own steam, you've got to factor in potentially storage, you've got to factor in transport or receiving deliveries. And, you know, that that makes scaling quite challenging sometimes, whereas this is very scalable isn't it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i think that's one of the the things that to like for good doing this sort of thing is to educate people that you don't yeah. have to go to ikea and do flat pack for yeah. for weeks and have oh, to yeah. go to be in yeah. don't even get me started on yeah building flat yeah. pack furniture yeah that that alone is worth the uh the the, the small it's amount fine. of paperwork that's involved yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think time is important um especially in property because we're a lot of us do um, have day jobs as well as doing property. Yeah. Um, so I think it is important to try and, you know, reduce the amount of time, you know, yeah. you want to spend time with your family and stuff. And this yeah. helps that because the suppliers that I work with will do everything. It's literally turnkey. You just, you don't even need to be there. So people that are investing out of area, um, you can just get, um, you know, let an agent, yeah. manage an agent just to let them in. Yeah. Um, so again, there's that, that, barrier where you don't have to actually be there yourself you just need yeah. somebody to let them in yeah and presumably there's a range of suppliers in terms of budget and style and um that you know that do you, do you sort of steer people towards well these guys are more sort of high-end budget this is more yeah is that how it works um, i try not to get involved because i don't want to show favoritism okay. to suppliers because yeah, obviously sure. they do refer business to me so yeah. um but if a customer has a certain thing then i will say yeah. well these guys are a little bit more high-end or something like yeah. that but again i say to them you know check out their websites yeah. um because i don't really want to show favoritism to, yeah, to suppliers yeah. they're all really really good that i work with i wouldn't work with them if if they weren't yeah. Yeah. um and they're all quick at giving refunds as well which i think is important yeah. um you know as soon as they get the money they will refund the customer what they've paid within about three three days sometimes yeah, yeah. a week at max and yeah. i think that's important yeah so, yeah, so it's the landlord's responsibility ultimately to peruse the suppliers, find find one that, that fits their sort of design brief and their budget and then go from there. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Brilliant. So, excellent. That sounds really good. So how was COVID, um, you know, and, and what, what sort of impact did that have on um, the landlords that you're working with? Because on... you know, we, we, we the, the challenges are obviously well documented at the same time certain aspects of things like serviced accommodation actually really thrived you know maybe not the right word you know we don't want to mm -hmm. talk about the pandemic being a positive but there were some businesses that actually sort of did quite well from from the fact that they could house key workers and then obviously mm -hmm. subsequent to that we've had the staycation boom so how have yeah. you found the last sort of 12 to 18 months so covid was difficult um because a lot of people weren't doing anything so um i focused on trying to help people um release money from furniture so the first okay. stage was to you know get messages out there to say you know if you purchase furniture you know so a lot of what i did during covid was to get money out so the retrospective stuff for people um and also 
it I was always on the phone for my customers. So some of them had money issues and they were concerned about um, paying the lease. Yeah. Um, so in a way, I was glad that they reached out to me rather than not pay because that can affect, you know, credit and stuff. Um, and I ended up being a, a, a bit of a, I don't know, not a mentor as such because I wouldn't say I was that, but just someone to help them really. And it was yeah. literally conversations where it was like just – and it was mainly for service accommodation and HMOs, that sort of thing, where they were trying to fill the rooms but they couldn't. Yeah. And I just turned around and said to them, you know, I was watching what other people were doing, other conversations that I was having with people and said to them, you know, just get the basic room rental that you can. Get yeah. somebody in there, whether it's an NHS worker, whether it's somebody who's isolating, a worker that's isolating, yeah. that sort of thing. And just pay the bills. You know, don't worry about making profit at this stage. Just get through it. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, you know, and luckily a lot of my customers did that. And they did really well. Literally within like seconds, they were on Facebook, you know, advertising yeah. and things. So it was really nice to know that I'd helped people during that time. Yeah. With regards to the lenders, that was difficult. So yeah. one of my lenders completely came off the market. So they mm. were um, more into hospitality. So they were hit hard, to be honest. Mm. They didn't take on any new business. They just focused on the customers that they had. Yeah. Um, but they are the ones that will do the guarantor. Yeah. So for me, it was important to get them back on as soon as possible. So I kept ringing them, checking what was going on. And I was one of the first brokers that they had back yeah. because of the relationship, having my customers, talking them through. And they didn't lose so much with my customers as they did with others. So that was yeah. quite good. Um, and then a lot of lenders wouldn't lend to serviced accommodation, especially rent to rent serviced accommodation. Yeah. They found that it was too risky. And I was thinking... These are the guys that have just made it through a pandemic. They've obviously proved that they can do it. Yeah. Um, so for a little while, a couple of them wouldn't do serviced accommodation. They would only do HMOs. And I thought HMOs are probably more difficult because mm. students and things were not, not, you know, refusing to pay rent because they'd gone home and things like yeah. that. So it's really weird how, how lenders' minds think because yeah. whereas now, oh, serviced accommodation, yeah, we're at that, you yeah. know, because there's such a big boom at the moment. Yeah. And that is what a lot of my customers are. You know, they are yeah. people getting into serviced accommodation at the moment. Yeah. Still do HMOs, um, a lot of those. But, yeah, a lot of my customers are serviced accommodation yeah. at the moment. Yeah, it's funny you say that because we had exactly the same experience during COVID with the lenders from a from a, a property purchase point of view as well. So any, any sort of service accommodation products just evaporated for um, maybe a few weeks. Um, but... Um, and, th and then they'd come back and then they'd go again. And there was some real uncertainty around the lending market, which, like you say, was slightly bizarre, given that actually, you know, a lot of the um, service accommodation sector was the only area of the hospitality that was actually able to operate throughout lockdown and house key workers and, and that side of things. So um, they came back to the market again in drips and drabs. But like you say, you can't always predict how the market is going to impact on, on lenders' mm -hmm. appetite mm -hmm. for risk in different different sectors. 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm now also a, a qualified mortgage broker. Okay. Um, so I do, I've just started. I haven't broke yeah. my first mortgage yet, but I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's nice for me to understand that side as well, I think, because that yeah. will, will help my customers. Um, but, yeah, there are even more... Um, SA providers now than there ever have yeah. been um, yeah. to do 
mortgages and things so so yeah it's all a bit yeah. sort of crazy of how they yeah. quickly change trend that's it yeah to maximize yeah. their profits 100%. yeah in some ways they move really quickly and in some ways it's like an oil tanker changing direction with regards to their attitudes to things isn't it but um but service accommodation is such a boom sort of business at the moment and um you know that's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next couple of years with i, th I think we're going to be sort of attitudes of change to you know working arrangements and that kind of thing and also um, attitudes towards travel so you mm -hmm. know I can see the sort of the short stay travel market both for work and leisure in the UK being being a particularly strong one for some time I would imagine off the back of off the back of what's happened 100%. yeah so what about your um what about your own property goals then so tell us a bit about that <laughs> and um because I know you're active it's um you, you do a lot of networking don't you and, and and that side of it so tell us a bit about sort of where you're up to with your own property journey as well yeah so one of the things I did do during lockdown so March this year I started my own um online zoom networking event for property yeah. investors uh, called Entrepreneurs in Property. Yeah. And I'm really proud of it. We're a great group of people and we're just growing all the time. Yeah. Um, and what it was is I wanted somewhere for people to go that wanted a bit more of a community rather than it just being talked at. Yeah. Um, so, so what we do is there's a panel of us. So there's about 10 of us, I think, and it's always growing. And we all have a specialism, whether it's finance, um, HMOs, uh, service accommodation, social housing, SaaS. We've got a property lawyer, um, business um, operations system. So you name it, there's someone there for you to go and talk to. Um, we have speakers on as well. It's every other Friday. And I'm super proud of it. Um, like I say, a great group of people. And um, yeah, yeah it's, it's really good. And we get a lot of, a lot of um, good feedback about that. So um, I think yeah. um, you're going to come along, aren't you? you? Need to get you on yeah, there to talk yeah. about what you do as well because that'd be amazing because yeah, it's, it's not just yeah. about it's about and you know other people's journeys as well and being inspirational we do get a lot of new guys on there learning um but we also get you know people that just want to come along for the community in the chat and we've done so much in the last we had um a speaker on a couple of weeks ago who was talking about her her dream um so she helps people that are being repossessed and she had this dream of opening this charity and we had a SAS, so we've got our SAS pension guy and he turned around and said, well, we can do that. We can help you. You open up a, mm. a SAS and we'll get the money. And she just could yeah. not believe it. And within a month, she is just, yeah. So it's yeah. just because of being in the right place at the right time. And I think yeah. that's what networking is about. But yeah, I do go to a lot of networking events. Yeah. I'm based up in the north now. Um, so I do seem to go over towards sort of Newcastle way a lot. Yeah. Um, it's not really much in Carlisle, so I might have to start opening my own one up here, a live one. <laughs> I'm always busy. Um, yeah, so that's – and then property-wise, um, so I've started doing mortgages as well. Um, yeah. So I'm just – yeah, I'm just so busy. Um, but I also want to have my own um, buy-to-let portfolio. Yeah. Um, and also I'm interested in social housing, so I'd be interested okay. to have some of those as well. Yeah. And I think one of the things I learned during lockdown is it's about diversity – I yeah. think a lot of people, the main thing that you can do with growing a property business is have lots of different things or in different locations as well. Because it's not just focus in one place. I think that's really important. So you haven't got all your eggs in one basket. So if anything yeah. does go wrong, you've got other elements, you know, multiple streams of income at the end of the day, other elements yeah. that are feeding into sure. that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you make such a good point there. It's, you know, sometimes property can be a lonely game. And I think it's about surrounding yourself with good people, like-minded people, um, you know, that are, you know, doing what you're doing and understand what you're going through and are able to sort of steer, guide, inspire. And, you know, that's that's that sense of community within property is is key isn't it because otherwise it can be quite a sort of isolating experience really we talk about staying close to the fire and I think that is so true um because it, it it's 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 almost like having scaffolding around you as you go through isn't it you always know you've got someone who's maybe trodden that path that can that can sort of steer you in the right direction yeah and I think no matter where you are in your journey you're always going to need to ask a question about something yeah. however however experienced you are there's always something you don't know and it, yeah. what someone um, once said to me is, if you, it's not about what you know, it's about knowing the person that knows it. So yeah. I think that's very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good Definitely. point. Brilliant. Well, Claire, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I know we will have opened a lot of a lot of eyes um, with with uh, with people listening as to what's possible from um, in, in terms of. Um, cash flow leasing and the opportunity that you provide to landlords. So if people wanted to reach out to you on that front and uh, find out more, how would they, what's the best way for them to do that? So a few ways. I do have a website, although I need to put it up, I need to update it, which is um, www.cashflowleasing.co.uk. So it's information on there and you can request a callback on there. Or you've got the old fashioned um, email, so which is sales at cashflowleasing.co.uk. Or the old dog and bone, which is um, my mobile number, 077-207-113. Either that, or you can find me on Facebook. Um, so this upsets my husband. So I got married in November. So literally, it's our anniversary this week. Um, and so I, my surname is Vince, but I've kept it as Saunders on Facebook for business reasons. So I, people know me yeah. as Claire Saunders and I don't want to change it because you won't be able to find me. You're, you're, <laughs> so a, brand. you're a brand now. I am I'm a brand. Exactly. It's not so much cash flow leasing. It's Claire Saunders. Yeah, exactly. Claire Saunders. Yeah. So, um, so that's it. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, um, also join the entrepreneurs in property community as well on facebook yeah. lots of great content in there i think uh mark you put stuff in there as well don't you yeah, about yeah. what you've gone up to yeah um and that's you know it's a hub for people to share information share stories um and just help each other out really and like i say every other friday evening we have our our networking event so you can come on to there and ask me yeah. questions as well fantastic thank you so much claire it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank no you. problem. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. And you. Take care. Bye. I hope that you found this episode useful. If you're looking for a hands-free, scalable solution within the HMO and serviced accommodation space, I would strongly recommend that you get in touch with Claire. You won't be disappointed. In this episode, we talked a lot about community and surrounding yourself with a group of like-minded investors. The Property Wealth System community page on Facebook serves exactly that purpose for hundreds of people who are actively investing in the UK property market right now. Why not head on over and join the conversation? I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please feel free to tell any of your property friends about what we're doing. And if you have a minute to leave us a short review wherever you're listening, that would be hugely appreciated and will help other people to discover the podcast just like you have. 
Thank you for listening and I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you.